Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me in Sound of Play 167, it's high time. It's, well, what do I say? Do I say Paul Davies of the Retro Asylum, formerly of the Retro Asylum, on the ret- of, on hiatus from the Retro Asylum? Uh, I, um, I'm formerly of the Retro Asylum Parish. Oh, it's, it's official. It is official, yeah. yeah. Wow, okay. Well, we'll talk about uh, the whole time you spent there. In that case, um, yeah, it seems seems funny that we should uh, we should only finally uh, meet up on on the podcasting airways at this uh, this poignant time. Um, wow. Poignant in a number of ways, which we'll get into. But, uh, but yeah, obviously, this is a big change for you. Um, yeah. So, how long were you doing 
uh, retro asylum things for? It's probably around about five years, I would, mm. I would, I would say. And um, quite coincidentally, one of the, the one of the guys who who founded the podcast, Dean Swain, lives very local yep. to me. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, we kind of got into knocking some ideas around and being a bit of a you know re- retro head. Um, they said, do I fancy getting involved? And then, as with, and I'm sure you're aware, Leon, you've been around the podcast game long enough, you, you suddenly find yourself <laughs> being everything and, and being involved yeah. and, and you can't do things by half measures. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really, you know, it's a it's a great podcast. It's a great team. And um, after five years, I, I thought I'd, I'd kind of done, I'd done my stint and... Um, yeah, needed to needed to take a little bit of a break, but yeah, brilliant show. And for me, the best part is not only the the community part, but some of the people who I've got to to interview over the years. If you told me mm. the young me that I'd have I'd have been sitting down with people like John Romero and Lorne Lanning and Dino Dini, yeah. you know these heroes of of gaming, um, and then these people would be saying how great it was that we wanted to hear their stories. Um, that in itself is 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 is, is, is a gift that, that I couldn't have possibly wished to have had. And yeah, we, we've been successful along the way. So uh, yeah, yeah the, 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 it will continue. Yes, the, the, the Retro Asylum continues on without you. It should be said. Yes. And Forever? <laughs> well, it's always going to be old games, I guess. Um, well, exactly. But, yes, uh, this is the thing that Retro Gamer magazine, obviously, which has been going a long, long time now, since the early 2000s, uh, on, on to its third publisher. And yeah. they've always had this insane debate among uh, readers where, you know, what is retro? Well, actually, everything that Kane and Rince covers is retro because it's all come out already. So, yeah. you know, you can, if you want to be, uh, if you want to be, I don't get, I don't get hung up. No, no. No, there's no point. It's uh, I. It's the funny thing is, and I, I feel bad saying this to you, but as much as I have, I own every issue of Retro Gamer magazine, and obviously I'm uh, an admirer of your work at the Retro Asylum. I don't actually like the. T- I, don't, I wish we didn't use the term retro mm-hmm. because I think it just pigeonholes things, and I think I, I understand why you would if you were making a podcast or a or a magazine about older games, but actually I think um, it's one thing that really separates gaming from other forms of media or art is this idea that things have to be pigeonholed by their age and um and i think it's actually i understand the tech is is a relevant factor in some ways but in other ways you know i've i've been gaming since the 70s and there were rubbish games now and there there were there were rubbish games then and there were great games then and it's no different now it's um uh yeah and certain design trends come and go and things change but then fashions like in fashion come come back around don't they so um i think it's uh well as any cane and rinse listener will know we we treat all games from all eras kind of with the same with the same approach um yeah. that they are a game and you play them and you experience them and but context is relevant, you know. When you played them first, will have a have a huge bearing, and obviously, nostalgia is a powerful thing. Yeah, I think as they say, nostalgia isn't what it used to be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but when, yeah, if I'm ever pushed on what I consider retro, but I, I prefer, actually prefer classic gaming as, as a yeah, as a yeah. term. Vintage, um, I think, is a nice word. Yeah, but if if I'm ever pushed on this, uh, mm. I I just say anything. Well, we we would cover anything two generations back. Yeah, so I think that's we're reasonable. we're on the verge of the Xbox 360 <laughs> be- <Yes. laughs> becoming it, but you know that that's it. I, I I I'm not a big fan of labeling 
uh, and pigeonholes. And anyone that that knows me will know I'm probably the, the one of the hardest people to box into a pigeonhole. Um, so no, I, I totally I totally agree. And and the thing is that you know I spent a number of years on a retro gaming podcast, but I, mm. I've never stopped playing games. It's not like no, very few no. people ever do really just make a make a a decision to say well well you know what I'm I'm international soccer was as good as it got. Uh, oh, so yeah. I'm going to stop yeah. there. No, yes. but everyone continues to move and and and, and play. And I, I suppose my my stories haven't stopped. So that was um, yeah. I yeah, kind of yeah. kind of looking. I, I get really excited about how we can take things forward. I I totally I yeah. played Forza Horizon Four last yes. night and mm. just. Yeah, it's just I, I'm playing a game now that looked like a photo mode from from a game a couple of years ago. What Gran Turismo was doing, and and well, the box art from thirty years ago. Yeah, yeah. well, well, yeah. the box art, and then the the photo, the screenshot that was always taken from the C64. You know, ultra yeah. misleading if you're a Spectrum owner back in those days. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, and then of course, and that, the change of those generations, you got uh, Atari ST or or even Amiga screenshots, and uh, that was even that was even more misleading. But only only a fool would would realize that you know if they owned a spectrum that their version was not going to look like the uh, the amiga screenshot in the back of the box uh yeah but it's talking about sorry go on, no and i was going to say that many games have been sold just purely on uh screen uh cover art and and i would put my hand up and say i'm as guilty as as, as any with that it was um mm. the uh you know Half of the half of the game and half of it existed in our imagination anyway. So you had yeah, to mostly some... cover art's really dull now. So uh, so that that doesn't really work. And interestingly, even even now we have astonishing graphics. A lot of games are still using either live action or pre rendered CG adverts, which mm. seems strange to me. Uh, I noticed the the Forza Four ads are using the in game engine because why wouldn't you? But uh, yeah, it's a very odd decision. You've uh, you've got the new Assassin's Creed out tomorrow at the time of recording which by all accounts looks absolutely fantastic on an Xbox One X or a high-end PC but they've decided to film a, a little vignette for the advert um, with a with human actors and I'm just thinking why I don't it's very, very odd anyway uh, going back in time then to the early 90s uh, it's only appropriate that some of the tracks that you've brought us for this sound of play are from older games previous generation titles this is uh, from a system that we've only featured once or twice um, because it wasn't much of a, a big deal uh, outside Japan, I suppose. But there are a few games that have kind of gone down in legendary status, one of which is uh, Akumajo Dracula. So uh, did you first play this at the time or is this something you managed to get your hands on later? Yeah, so it's an interesting thing and it's probably driven by my involvement with the podcast because one of the things that we would always look to do is try and, you know, try and research a topic. So it's a game that I played... The, the first time I played was on Castlevania Chronicles on the on the PlayStation, mm. yeah. but suddenly started to do research into the the uh, the, the, the the Sharp X sixty eight hundred computer, which I suppose the closest equivalent you you could you could say is it would be the the Amiga, but it was released only in Japan. But yeah. a, a, a game that um or a system that I think it used the um the same arcade or the same board as as uh, Capcom did, so the CPS one board. So as a result, this was this was just fantastic at either recreating arcade games or delivering uh, enhanced versions of games that that you'd be playing on another system. So essentially, it's a, mm. I mean, Kimijo Dracula is a, a, a remake of a remake with a twist. 
um, yeah. on on the on the um, on the original Castlevania on, on the NES. So there are multiple versions of uh, the game and different versions and arranged versions of of this particular tune. Um, but this is the best one, and uh, it's something that I've only come to appreciate in more recent years, and have then gone back to play the game um, that. Uh, that that we're discussing, yeah. You know, Thrash hard in the cave is I would just refer to mm. as just really hard in the cave. You know, this th- mm. th- this mm. game is 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 classically difficult to the point of annoyance and probably getting to the point of the, an- the really annoying final boss fire level. Um, but it, it it sticks with me. It sounds very doomy, and obviously yeah. that's something that came kind of way way later. But in when you look at the way that music's recreated, and obviously there's a lot of retro influence, new games that that come out that come out now, but this one just has that that gritty, hard sort of analogy sound that is probably most synonymous or, or, or very similar to the Mega Drive. Same sort of same sort of audio yeah. that the that, sounds that like Thunder used. Force, uh, yeah, as well, yeah. which is just uh, Thunder Force Four's just come out on Switch recently uh, on the Sega Ages label, and and hearing those guitars again very much, yeah, sounded uh, familiar. Not not a huge amount of love. Mega Drive isn't a system that gets a huge amount of love for its audio capabilities, but it you know it oh it some, does on this show yeah it, it, it has some good has some really good moments. But um yeah, a wonderful game and this particular level infuriating because of the fish men who try and take you off a tumbling platform as well as all of the other issues that Belmont has to deal with. Um, but you know I I, I had a look actually at what Castlevania Chronicles. It's a very expensive, hard to get game these days yeah i sold my copy a long time ago uh assuming that i mean rondo of blood is now available uh on well it's been on available on uh we uh download for some time although that's being switched off and it is coming out thankfully at the end of this month on a, a new double pack with the uh astonishing symphony of the night but the akumajo dracula is not part of that package is it mm. so. and it and it's it's a um, the last thing I'm going to do is try and categorize Castlevania games. I'm not going to. I'm not <laughs> walking into that elephant trap. <laughs> but, but do you mean the pre? Do you mean the pre Metroid ones and the post Metroid ones, uh, or do you mean the 3D ones and the 2D ones? As a Brit, I'm going to use the Fifth Amendment. Um, just okay. in general, you know, and, and you can find oh, everyone go on the internet if you want to get involved in those sorts of conversations. Yeah. But but th- this uh, obviously it has it has its own faults, but. They're semi-excusable because it was based on the original, so you probably can't blame it for lacking some of the gameplay improvements that the the latter versions came. But the, where it sits, mm. you know, it's it, it improves on one and two, not on three and four, and that's probably that's probably as much as you're going to get <laughs> out of me. Um, Worth investigation anyway for, oh, yeah. uh, for fans of of all two D vanias, and uh, yeah, especially because I, I guess there's a whole. Uh, a whole raft of new players who folks uh, you know we've got some people in their early 20s in our in our cane and rinse team now who um didn't even grow up with the you know the 8 and 16 bit systems necessarily but are coming across these games or the games that were inspired by these games and um and now maybe interested to go back and uh, especially to uh, feel the challenge of a game that doesn't give you the opportunity to uh, power up and level up. You just have to keep practicing, basically. Yeah, they you do 
and and the uh, the, the Castlevania Chronicles you, on the arranged mode because you can play both. You you yeah. it's a, it's a it's a fairer game on the arranged mode because because mm. of the hit points that you that you take down. But That's still, right. it's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say you you don't have yours, and I I genuinely know, don't no. know where my copy went. Um, oh no! I, much to my chagrin, you just kind of lose things over the course of moves and. From yeah. uni, it's yeah. some, it's somewhere. It's. I hope it's. I hope he's got a good home. That's all I say. Mm. But but the but the the X sixty eight thousand. I was going to say is is a is a machine that that isn't that commonly known about. But for me, it has the best home version of Star Wars um, that's been made. So if I was to recommend, and you know, it, it's a system that has great versions of Final Fight, Street Fighter Two, Strider. Ghouls and Ghosts, like the the list goes on of the arcade conversions, but its version of Star Wars and, and me being a very big Star Wars fan, um, it is the, my mm. favorite. A a, a um, non linear Star Wars game based around the Atari arcade machine with with amazing right. amazing audio. The audio wow. is is it just has that guttural rawness to it. Loads of lines from the movie and and really yeah really good fun. So. Um, I, I wouldn't recommend anyone goes and buys a um, an X sixty eight hundred because they are mm. ridiculously expensive and most of them in Japan. Yeah. But uh, yeah, check out just check out that Star Wars game. Um, it's um, I think it's actually a gap in my knowledge, which is you know it's a, the, I don't I pride myself on not having too many of those, but I am not familiar. And I'm also you know I was a Star Wars kid. Um, I'm not familiar with that one, so I'm definitely going to seek that out uh, yeah. at least to look at, if not to pu- purchase and play. <laughs> Indeed. Mm. Now, next up, uh, it's uh, we've had some sad news today in, in the gaming world. Um, it's the 4th of October at the time of recording, and the news broke today that uh, a few days back, uh, the 8- and 16-bit uh, computer game musician Ben Daglish passed away. Uh, he was born in... Uh, he was born on 31st of July 1966 uh, and sadly died. He's the second uh, 8 and 16 bit composer I know of who we've lost to lung cancer. Uh, Richard Joseph mm-hmm. died some years ago uh, with similar illness. Um, yeah, and I think it's taken everyone by surprise. Uh, shocked and, and sad. Um, if you don't know, Ben Daglish was uh, p- very active, particularly the second half of the 80s. Uh, he wrote tunes for things like Supercars, Skate Crazy, Switchblade, uh, The Last Ninja, Crackout, Corporation, Federation of Free Traders, uh, Footballer of the Year, Wizard Wars, and many more. Uh, he also teamed up with uh, another well-known uh, programmer and musician, Tony Crowther, to make Wii Music, which stood for We Make Use of Sound in Computers. Uh, they'd been to the same school together uh he also regularly performed with uh, violinist mark knight and the band sid 80s at retro computer game events like back in time live and retrovision and has performed uh with the uh, c64 revival band press play on tape who are always worth checking out uh rob hubbard was uh, was playing with the band at the same time and paul i understand you you actually uh, met ben daglish at uh, one or two of these events yeah, I had had a pleasure, and he was yeah, he, he was exactly how you hope that someone would be, you know, when we would play games, and and, yeah. and, and I would say that Ben, along with uh, Rob Hubbard, uh, Tim Follin, these are people, and mm. we'll get to one someone else who's who's on my list of of music here, uh, mm. people who, even if a game wasn't that great, the music that they that they created existed right. in it mm. in itself beyond and and yeah he was he was a lovely yeah. lovely guy um mm. and and probably only only had a couple of opportunities to meet him at, at some of the replay events um but yeah exactly it's exactly like when you meet jeff minter 
you know, Jeff is exactly how you expect <laughs> yes, him to yes. be. You ply yeah. him with lion bars and, and uh, you know, you, you get to get some time with him. But yeah, it's a, it's really sad and, and it has, yeah, um, yeah, it's amazing actually when the news broke, you would just see how many people um, kind of outpoured their, their love and affection for, for, for Ben's, uh, for Ben's music. I think uh, mm. it was, um, I saw a comment today where someone said his, uh, his power is, his uh, power light had gone out, but his Sid chip will live on. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, uh, the tune, we're going to play a couple of his tunes today uh, in honour of his passing and in honour of his life and work. Uh, we're going to start with probably, probably his most famous piece, certainly one of his wo- most uh, well-loved. It was the the theme to The Last Ninja, uh, which I think the whole soundtrack was actually a collaborative affair. But um, but this, uh, he certainly wrote, uh, or at least collaborated on some of the tunes. But this one, I believe... Uh, is all his own work. So this is the last Ninja theme from the original C64 version from 1987.
that's sadly the late Ben Daglish's uh, The Last Ninja theme from System 3's mm. uh, very, very famous and brutally difficult, talking of retro games being brutally difficult, uh, The Last Ninja. Uh, we spoke about that on this podcast not so long ago with the uh, pixel-perfect jumping that was required to get even uh, off of the first stage. Uh, the fact that this uh, super cool, hard arcade uh, action ninja could drown if he slipped off uh, some pebbles into a stream that was just trickling through a park. Uh, that's you know that was computer games back then. <laughs> yeah, that was the same. <laughs> a a, a boulder weighed the same as a cardboard box as well in that era. Yes, so you could be that you could be thing. taken out by uh, an inanimate object. Mind you, we've we've come across that sort of thing uh, in uh, we've been replaying the Resident Evil series this year for the <laughs> Kane and Rince podcast, and the idea that uh, that one inventory slot can be a box of bullets or a watering can, you know, or a you know a petrol can or something like that. Uh, it's not all objects are the same size in the real world, but uh, games of a certain age don't care. <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, Paul, Paul Davis is my guest, formerly of Retro Asylum, and his next pick is uh, from a composer who we featured a number of times before on Sound of Play. One of my favourites, I think I picked the main theme to this game on our very first Sound of Play, uh, but you've brought uh, one of the other tracks from the amazing uh, Turrican 2 soundtrack. So uh, tell us about your relationship with this song and uh, and the composer. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, Chris, any list of five video game tunes should have uh, a tune by Chris Horsbeck in it. Um, this is... Yeah, I can go along with that. Yeah, and and by the way, trying to find five of my favourite things is 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 very difficult. Oh, I really like <laughs> very yes. difficult. And, uh, but no, this this is the... Um, it's from middle of the game, when Turrican 2, which is a you know, fantastic platforming game with, with wonderful graphics, really colourful, really colourful, really vibrant. Um, the, so slick. But it suddenly just throws a shoot-em-up at you in the middle of the game yeah. which is genius and and I can I can remember the, the when I first played the game and I was in I was on a roll because with Turrican it was brutally difficult around how power would be drained from from your character you wouldn't take a point you had a power bar that if you were in touch with an enemy it would just make this noise as it, Plum- gr- it plummeted down so yeah. you, you'd be living yeah. in fear all the time although yeah. It, well, yeah although it's a game that gives you a lot of power-ups and a lot of sure does a lot of pretty useless power-ups in there as well so it's a bit like um yeah you have to juggle the good stuff but but i remember Mm. playing this game and i i come home from school and um i'd had turrican a little while but i've just been playing it and absolutely uh caning it and rinsing it um and i had to that's fine pleasure um i had to go out but then i suddenly came along this level and I was just in the zone playing it, and I remember my palms. My palms are sweaty, and I was because it's not so much a it's not so much a kind of shoot 'em up level, but you have to navigate uh, different directions. So, the, so essentially, your ship's in the middle of the screen, and you have to avoid the the routes and the yep. channels that it takes you down. And yeah, it's based on a section of uh, Airbuster or Aeroblasters, uh-huh. but the coin op. Yeah, but the level was tough, and then. This music is in the background by Chris Usbert. All it does is just ramp up the tension and the pressure on you to just not die. And I, I remember, it, and it's probably one of one of those game experiences that that I can remember really vividly. And and, and it's no surprise that some of Chris's music um, underpins that. Um, yes, Desert Rocks is probably the most famous 
tune from Turrican 2 and and frankly any any music any music from this game is, is fantastic um but the sheer pacing yeah. and how the music manages to knit so well with the action on the screen is is mm. fantastic and, and and a work of yeah a real um real genius by uh, Mr. Hulesbeck the concerto for laser and enemies by the german chris hulsbeck from turrican 2 the final fight uh, you can find some of his stuff on spotify i noticed recently um and obviously in all the other usual places but i think you can also uh, buy some of his discs uh, as cds and or vinyl so uh, well worth checking out fans of games music uh, we have got just a couple of uh, listener requests in this show uh, because I wanted to include a couple from uh, Ben Daglish, and obviously we've got five picks from Paul, but uh, we've got one here from KSub01000 from the Kana Rince forum. Uh, head over to kanarince.com slash forum and uh, select your favourites from the history of the video games music medium for us to include in the show. KSub0 says, one of the most atmospheric tracks I've ever heard and a great callback to Super Metroid to boot. So uh, we're going to leave you for a little while because this is quite a long track. Uh, this is Torvus Bog Hydrodynamo Station by Kenji Yamamoto from Metroid Prime 2 Echoes. Uh, and it's about nine minutes long. So don't forget about us. We'll be back to uh, surprise you in, uh, in yeah just under 10 minutes.
welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that. From uh, Metroid Prime 2 Echoes, Kenji Yamamoto's soundtrack for Retro's uh, 2004 game. Of course, it came out later on the Wii, and you can still download and play it uh, on the Wii U, if you still got your Wii U uh, knocking around or hooked up. Uh, well worth doing. It's one of those games where the... Uh, I think the actual uh, change from s uh, traditional controller-based controls to uh, Wiimote and Nunchuck was kind of inspired and fit so beautifully. And that uh, that nine-minute-long track was called Torvus Bog Hydro Dynamo Station. Uh, in case you'd forgotten, I'm here. My name's Leon. I'm here with Paul Davies, my guest, who's uh, spent the last five years kind of doing the full-time retro thing with the Retro Asylum and uh, appropriately enough has brought some tracks to this sound of play from, uh, well, from the 90s mostly. This one's from the 90s. Uh, I can't remember if we've played this one before. We've probably played that uh, very well-loved one from the second game in this series, the Bramble one that I always forget the name of but is really cool. Um, but this is, I always think of this as the precursor to that. This is the aquatic mu music, aquatic ambience from uh, the first Donkey Kong Country. Uh, now, I booted this up recently on my SNES Mini and I don't think the game has aged as well as some, certainly not as aged as well as uh, Nintendo's own Mario games of the mm -hmm. era. But... I think the sound uh, actually is probably the element of it that has dated the the, the, the strongest or, or the least, if you know what I mean. And I, I still find this uh, this underwater piece incredibly atmospheric. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, it's um, David Wise at his uh, at his best, and, and David is I, I think David is a legitimate genius when it comes to to game music. Um, mm. And I had the ple I had the pleasure um, we with the retro signing we, we were involved with a, an event called Revival Events in in the UK which is a, a retro gaming event and uh, very kindly for the last two years Kane and Rince has lent young Mister Gargett uh, yep. to us to well it's more we're more, if you think of us as the pimp okay and him as <laughs> and, and and him as 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 a lady of the night yeah, that's that's more uh, what it's like actually yeah probably got a point there um, yeah but that. Um, so Darren used to used to work for Rare, um, and he did yes. And um, for the last two years, we've had a, a panel of, um, of of guys from Rare, and obviously, latterly, uh, there are some involvement with Platonic. Um, and the joy that I get from just watching Darren talking to these guys, and when when people like you know Kev Bayliss and and um, yeah. Mr. Seaver and, and David is. You, you just realize how these people were responsible for some of the best memories and some of the best games that we do. Um, obviously, David's work was, was um, supported and worked with uh, Robin Beanan and Grant Kirkhope. And, and by the way, Mario Rabbids is still some of my favorite Mario music that, that I think has mm -hmm. ever been made. Um, but we had the pleasure of, of... And David Wise is still knocking it out the park with uh, Tropical Freeze. That was a, a few years ago as yeah. well. Yeah, and he, um, there is a on YouTube, the the, the um, I think the Rare video is on there. If not, it's one one of the, in the Retro Silent Podcast archives. And and he, was, he spoke about how, just how much fun it was to come back to uh, to work in, in that, in that particular canon. Um, mm. But this is this is a tune, and and, and I'm sure that it, it it's somewhat influenced by the the um, the composer Eric Serra, who mm -hmm. and his work on the Big Blue is very you know it, it res this song right. really resonates with it. But the best bit about what they did with the game and whether it was accidental or not is you can just pause it and just listen to the music, um, mm. which is what I did a lot. 
and it says it, right. it talks. Yeah, it talk, it's unusual, isn't it? Yeah, it talks back, and and um, I know that sort of David's spoken about it in the past, and it, I think it, it's either a happy coincidence or a, or a very clever piece of uh, programming. Um, but I think it might have just been that the guys didn't want to animate something on the pause screen, so they just let the, they just let the music play. But ah. it it it's heavily influenced, and um, I suppose. The link back. Eric Serra did the gold, the Goldeneye tune, which again, Eric Serra's version of the Bond theme was very mm. influential in the um, Goldeneye sixty four uh, music. Yeah. So there's a lot, right. a lot of similarities. But but this, is, yeah, this. I'm not a fan of water levels in general. The, no. the floaty. Who is? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> there's probably some some sort of masochists out there. Um, but but I'm not a fan of them. But this is one that I can get behind just purely because the the music is. Um, yeah, it's it's it it kind of takes you out of the of the game and and is extremely tranquil and and stands alone as a legit, legitimately good piece of music um, without uh, without Donkey and Diddy uh, floating around uh, trying to find uh, find barrels and uh, get those crocodiles and jump on their heads. But um, yeah. I'm sure that there are probably lots of people who who grew up through that period and and would have also just sat with the pause button and just let it play away in the background uh, to our heart's content.
Aquatic Ambiance from uh, from the Donkey Kong Country soundtrack, mostly by David Wise, aided and abetted in the overall OST by Evelyn Fisher and Robin Beanland. Um, yeah, I think we uh, we decided uh, that the hardest game to make good or to make people like would be a game that was entirely based around an underwater escort stealth mission. Mm. So it would be, it, like, I think if, if I was... If I was a game jam, as I wouldn't be as a technical person, but I could I could be a you know an ideas person as a as an experienced gamer. I think the the, the hardest challenge would be like, can we make a game that involves these three aspects together? Fun, I don't know. Is uh, it possible? Yeah, I'd add and all of that just and on the moon. Ah, <laughs> does underwater on the moon? We don't know how that works. Does the the moon controls the tides? So how does I don't know. I'm not a scientist, Paul. I don't know. No, I didn't come on. I didn't come on the show for um for no. uh, scientific uh, um analysis. So don't worry. Deconstructions. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh let's stick to retro gaming, something we actually know about. Uh so I thought it would uh, be appropriate between uh, Donkey Kong and Mario, which we have coming up from you, uh to stick a bit of Sonic in there. because, uh, you know, Back in the day when we used to read uh, Mean Machines and whatever else, uh, you would have these endless, tedious fanboy conversations about Sonic versus Mario. But actually, those of us who are a little bit older and wiser knew both was the answer. Uh, And this is a request from Sean S. Thomas. It's from uh, Sonic Mania, so the 2017 and 2018, if you include the sort of updated version uh, game, which is effectively uh, both a love letter to and an homage to and a kind of remake sequel to the classic 16-bit Sonics. Uh, Sean S. Thomas says, I had fun playing through Sonic Mania, and whilst the series will never be a huge favourite of mine, one thing I do love it for is the music. I was stuck on Lava Reef Zone for some time, and this catchy tune made it consistent considerably more bearable. So this is Act 1 of Lava Reef Zone.
remixed uh, by T Lopez, who worked on the music for the whole game. I think he composed some. I think T is a he. I don't actually know. Should should be T he. Um, I think T Lopez is a guy, but I don't know. Um, anyway, worked on the uh, Sonic Mania soundtrack. Um, composed some original tunes, but also took some of those vintage Sonic tunes, which were composed by all sorts of people, uh, including Michael Jackson. Uh, we now mm. know, um, and uh, and yeah, updated them for. The Sonic Mania game, which is available on lots of current gen platforms. And yes, if you ever liked a Sonic game, I would recommend it. Paul, as a, a retro gaming uh, expert or, or certainly fan, does that? Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean, of course, that you like everything that ever came out. And Sonic, I think, is quite a divisive one. And I think also his 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 reputation has been sullied and cheapened by years of tawdry sequels. But how did you greet Sonic Mania when it came out? Um, well, given that it was driven by Christian Whitehead, who's become yes. very, who'd become very well known, uh, um, at creating, you know, hacks of Sonic. The thing that, the thing that I love most about Sonic Mania, and I, I, you know, I, I'm pretty agnostic when it comes to, to Sonic. I like the, the, okay. the initial ones when they made the jump to yeah. 3D and eventually, you know, yeah, uh, probably less yeah, so. Totally. Um, I leave the Sonic fan, fi- fan fiction to other people. Uh, oh, yeah. Because that's a rabbit yeah. hole. Um, that yes, I, quite literally. I once peeked. Yeah. <laughs> Touche. Uh, um, yes, that's the slash but, fiction. Mm. Yeah. The um, But the, the thing that Sonic Mania did with, with, with obviously Sega planning a, a larger scale Sonic project, uh, Sonic Mania just showed what could be done and the amount of... Um, yeah, how successful this game could be, which was just riffing on previous sonic versions and changing them changing changing the way that the game guided you and it rooted you and giving it a um a, a modern a modern not just a modern sheen but a modern modern mechanics in there you know the guys put some really cool mm. additional stuff in and i loved it i i i, I completed it um got yeah, it right. completed it almost you know i didn't play anything else while i was playing it through it um it flows uh just as well as the earlier ones did Mm. Um and look, it looks great. And again, it looks. Mm. I played it on the Switch, almost, almost yeah. totally in handheld mode. And um, yeah, I loved it mm. from from beginning to end. And funnily enough, that's a third party port as well. The, uh, it's a conversion by Tantalus, the Australian team who uh, are responsible for uh, converting things like uh, Twilight Princess to HD on the Wii U, and they also converted House of the Dead on the Saturn for the um, for the for the for Sega many many years ago. So, yeah. so it's quite some history in in that studio as well. Uh, but yeah, it's a real um, it's a sort of although Christian Whitehead is absolutely the kind of the figurehead behind the project, having made that amazing um, Sonic CD effectively fan yeah. <laughs> remake and then and then got it officially released. Um, the the Sonic Mania is kind of a, a yeah like a, a real team up between him and Pagoda West and Head Cannon and Sega of America chipping in as well. Um, and as I understand it, I've updated my my Sonic Mania to the the, the plus uh, version okay. from from 2018, and it even polishes things even more refines things even further so um the review scores were even better for the plus version than they were for the 2017 version so it might be worth diving back in for i think you can upgrade it for like four pounds or something uh you get some extra levels and extra content extra characters well worth doing if you haven't already 
so that was Sonic Mania. Now, yes, from Sonic to Mario. And uh, this tune is, yeah, I think one of the standout tunes from uh, what I think is an astonishing soundtrack and p- p- quite possibly one of my top maybe three favourite video games of all time. Certainly it's right up there, Super Mario Galaxy. Uh, do you feel similarly strongly about the game as a whole as I do or is it just the soundtrack that blows you away? Oh, no, the game is great. And the probably the reason for me is that the ability to have two players in it. Um, right. But because my son was very young, at the time. Hoovering up Starbit. He was. Yeah, that was his job. Oh, he was basically a, right. a human Starbit Hoover and <laughs> child labor. Quite fr- yeah, quite frankly, he he um yeah, but it, it was it was probably one of the first games that that we'd we'd played together. He was very young at the time. And and I mean Mario Galaxy is it's just it's such a great game. I, I loved it. It, it. For me, you know, Odyssey is a is a wonderful uh, love letter to all of the Marios. But mm. Mario Galaxy just had that, you know, when it put you uh, upside down on a giant question yeah. mark and gave you this, gave you that freedom. Um, it's probably a bigger, uh, a bigger leap, I think, than any other Mario that I that I played. And I've played every Mario. Uh, I love, yes. I love the, I love the two D. But you know, games like Three D World are are genuinely, you know, in my top ten games of all time. But Super Mario mm. Galaxy and just the feel that it has, um yeah. is pure it's just it's just pure Nintendo and, and the, the, the the tune Gusty Garden Galaxy, I, I think it just it's the boldness and triumphant sound of mm. Nintendo that they do yeah. so well. I, I mean even even talking about it makes the hair <laughs> my arms stand on end because I I, mm. I love the song and and what I also love about it is that the way that they tease it through uh, Galaxy Two, 3D World, and, and even Mario Kart Eight as well. Yeah. So it yeah yeah you, when you're playing when you're playing something and it, it just it, it appears somewhere else and you mm. think ah oh, oh, thank you you genuinely just want to thank the guys who who made it you know if we didn't have Galaxy we probably wouldn't have the freedom of Odyssey um, yeah I'd love it to be available on on the on the Switch. I don't yes. know logistically, you know how that works. I I played the re the re release yeah. on the Wii U, um, mm. but I, yeah, I, th- I just think it's it's you know maybe one of those Mario games that that perhaps didn't get the the prominence and exposure that that it may have done. I don't know. I mean, Mario sells well, right? But um, yeah, it sold a lot of copies. But I still feel like it's underappreciated yeah, no, somehow, too. just because yeah. like it's 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 also it's I think it is the highest rated video game of all time it's certainly up there it's in it's it's in the top three or four uh up there with with yeah a few other things that you would expect to be up there um but yeah somehow and um i know uh, ryan uh of kane and rinse who now actually works at nintendo in seattle he's actually a, a bigger uh fan of the of the, the follow-up the sequel super mario galaxy 2 mm. which which i still think is amazing but for me it didn't quite have the magic of of the original super mario galaxy it was like a fantastic level set and it certainly did some things that were a bit more player friendly such as making the hub much more mm. uh, uh, condensed and things like that but actually the 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 sheer scope of of the original super mario galaxy and the way it all hung together whereas galaxy 2 felt uh, and and i believe it was it was a kind of um internal competition to design mm. kind of crazy levels and some of them are amazing and it's still a wonderful game but galaxy just felt like this most coherent like the natural 
end point for what had started with uh, sixty, you know, Super Mario sixty four a decade earlier. Mm. To me, <laughs> it's it, but it's so it's so confident in itself. That's mm. the that's the yeah. that's that's and it, and it you can see and I don't know you know Nintendo have A and B teams you know within 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 there. Yeah. the company but it just felt like that everything came together and and provided the springboard to 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 take Mario on because you know you know it hasn't Nintendo's efforts to change Mario and its direction haven't always worked let's just let's mm. just say some people love sunshine I you know I personally just couldn't get couldn't get on with it but um no. and again it made really use really good use of um the uh, the Wiimote as well and and for me that's why I mean it's gaming is all about up to a certain point, snapping you back to certain to certain times, and I think that's probably a theme with with the the the, the tunes that I've selected. But yeah, just mm. just looking sitting there with my very my young son, who's now not so little and not so young. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So it's, it's a um, it brings a smile to my face. So if I had another wrinkle or another reason to put this in my five, then then that's it right there. That was, of course, Gusty Garden Galaxy by Mahito Yokota from Super Mario Galaxy. But uh, as Paul said, uh, you may have heard 
little stings and blasts and riffs from that in in other games that uh, you've played more recently and yes i think most people um i know it's a bit of a cliche and a joke stick it on switch and obviously nintendo are probably pushing their luck with re-releasing everything that came out on the wii and wii u on uh switch but uh, i don't think too many people would complain if they released a double pack in hd mm. of uh, of the super mario galaxy games and maybe a 3d land and 3d world double pack as well and my dream was that although they are now porting new super mario brothers uh u with luigi to the switch i thought what they could have done which would have been amazing would be super new super mario all stars mm. which was <laughs> all four new super mario brothers games all you know upscaled up resed on one delicious compilation cartridge but no no such luck <laughs> there's always <laughs> there's always time there's always time leon yeah, yeah, it could still happen. People, people question Nintendo's abilities to sustain, um, and the reality is yeah. the the reality is that that they have yeah. they have the best gaming cannon to pull on in, in the world. Right. Uh, so this is another a selection from myself uh, in uh, memory of uh, the late Ben Daglish, who has passed away this week at the time of recording. Uh, and this is a piece for uh, Gremlin Graphics, who we did a lot of work with. And this is uh, from a puzzle game, which was, I'd say it would, we could probably call it uh, slightly niche, but maybe a cult classic uh, called Deflector. Um, maybe we'll talk with Paul if he ever played this one after mm -hmm. the song, but let's hear it from uh, Vortex Software. It's the main theme from Deflector by Ben Daglish. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
It's the Commodore 64 version. That game came out on a lot of systems, actually, as puzzle games tended to do. So that was from Deflector, which is uh, it's quite an unusual game, but I could imagine conceptually it's something that would work on a lot of modern systems. So are you familiar with Deflector, Paul? Um, yeah, I, I played. I had the Spectrum version of it, and cool. um, yeah, moving moving mirrors around to get yeah. beams of light to destroy the balls. Sounds is, familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Avoid the bombs, and actually, yeah, it, yeah, is a is a it's a good game, and not not a game that really comes up, and a puzzle element that isn't particularly used a huge amount. I mean, you see it in dribs and drabs in games, but no, no, I I played it back in the day, so. It was pretty clever, and um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's the sort of um, game where actually the, I guess the puzzles that you saw in it have now been sort of transported into three D games like Uncharted or Zelda and stuff like that. It's they've they've there's a you do find a lot of you know uh, redirecting beams of light around in even um, Resident Evil Five has it, um, but whether you could actually hang a complete, you know, a sort of top-down, single-screen-at-a-time game like Gremlin did back in 1987. I'm not sure, but I actually think if you... Maybe maybe there's something exactly like this on iOS and Android that I don't know about because I don't tend to play a lot of stuff on and I haven't got a tablet, so... But it would work really well, wouldn't it? You could just, you know... Um, move things around with your finger, basically. Redirect lenses. There must be a game like this. Yeah, and, and I think... Um... That, as you say, it just becomes a, a smaller part of an overall um, that, that that is included. I'm just trying to think what the the um, the Lara Croft game that that had. Oh um, uh, yes, um, yeah, I've completed it. Uh, the 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 isometric. That's one. the one which the name is escaping yeah, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, Guard, Guardian of Light. Light? No, no. <laughs> Lara Croft and the Guardian of Light. That does, that sounds that sounds right. As, as happens very often when I I podcast on a retro asylum, I can hear listeners screaming at me on their commute or whatever. It was the Guardian doing. of Light. It I was. just checked. Uh, we, we were correct, uh, and there was a follow up called the Temple of Osiris as well. But yes, you're right. The Guardian of Light does have light based puzzles in, yeah. uh, and you can play it co op, and it's sort of slightly a. It's not asynchronous, but it's um, asymmetrical is the right word, mm. because you both play a different character, which is a lot of fun. You clamber on each other's shield. Uh, well, yeah, one of Lara clambers on your your helper's shield. Is this kind of undead dude? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's a good time. Um, but yeah, light based light based puzzles. I think um, I think what would be cool. This is I'm game jamming again. It would be if you had a puzzle game where you you had to get the same beam of light from the start of the game all the way to the end of the game. Mm. I feel like someone's done that already as well. I just You'd haven't played it. Losing some of the um, luminescence on the way, uh, having oh, yeah. to having to sustain it by passing it through whatever. Yeah, lenses. Um, yeah, there you go. Genius. There you go. Right. Copyright. I'm just giving these rinse. ideas away for free. I know. Yeah. Not only do you get good music, but you get game uh, game mechanic ideas as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just send the royalties. <laughs> Remember, listeners, please venture over to our forum as we always recommend at canerince.com. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at Kane and Rince. You can make requests, use the hashtag Sound of Play. We also have a Facebook page. You can do it there if you want. Request your favourites. We also like uh, oddities and curios and particular. Choose songs with a little story behind them or a reason why you have affection or nostalgia for them or there's uh, something that happened in your life that it reminds you of. Stuff like that is great. Um, or if it's just a rocking tune and you just want us to play it and say that's a rocking tune, then that's good too. 
Uh, we need your requests to keep the show going, so keep them coming in. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us an Apple podcast or iTunes review or rating or wherever else you get your podcast from these days. Uh, follow us, as I say, on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And if you enjoy this show and all the shows that we put out, uh, please do consider patreon.com slash Even just a dollar a month from everyone would uh, make a huge amount of difference to the amount of uh, time and effort that we can put into everything that we do. And it helps uh, keep, you know, keep the lights on, keep the fridge stocked, all that kind of thing. Uh, so before we hear about your final pick, appropriately named, uh, thanks, Paul Davies, for joining me. Um, now, so you, well, you don't, I mean, you can still plug the Retro Asylum, even though you've, uh, you've walked away, you've taken your ball and you're going home. Um, yeah. Well, have you got anything else you want to plug to well, tell Sound of Play listeners about? Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll plug myself, um, which um, yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'm vaguely interesting on Twitter. Um, but I'll let I'll let everyone else be the judge of that. Or at least I'd like to think I am. <laughs> well, if you see them follow and then unfollow again, you'll know you didn't live up to the promise. No, absolutely. <laughs> and, and actually, I'll, just talking about the um, the opportunity to speak to gaming legends and people who I admire hugely, there mm. is nothing like someone who you respect and admire in gaming who subsequently then follows you. That to yeah. make you sit up in your chair and think, well, no, I don't know if I'm going to do that cat meme or not. I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, <laughs> I then forget after a few minutes and then just go back to the usual thing. But I had that with yeah. I had that with Lorne Lanning, who who yeah, cre- right. creator of the the, yeah. the Odd World series, probably one of the most interesting people to talk about games that you can hear the level of enthusiasm and and the the, the he's lived mm. through it. You know, he's lived through that whole time mm. and and. Obviously, had his time at uh, Silicon Graphics in there as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm at, at PS Davies. Um, as, as far as as far as a plug, I, I'm I'm going to plug the um, inimitable Chris O'Regan, who is uh, uh-huh. a new uh, new member of of, of Kane and Rents, host of the, the That's f- right. Fantastic Sausage Factory. And Chris actually mm. does a um, a Sunday evening stream on the on the, the retro assignment yeah on the, on, on the youtube channel called games of praise um where mm. um he uses original hardware to play uh, a game picked on a, uh, a public vote and chris um he he, he tours the, the games of praise thing is a very british thing that there was a there was a tv show called songs of praise on on, on in the uk on sunday evenings which for me as a kid told me that the weekend was over as soon yeah. as Songs of Praise was on TV at school on Monday, really? you know you're you're into the final throws, and so so Chris does it and and has a backdrop of various churches and cathedrals yeah. of Britain, and he um plays uh, some well he's subjected to what the public decide that they want him to play for an hour. Yeah. So um mm. yeah, check out Games of Praise. Chris Chris is someone who I've I've enjoyed listening to for for many years back to his Super Happy Fun Time show yes. days, and it's um Absolutely. it's a uh, it's a, it's a good he's a he's a he's a great acquisition to the to the CNR uh uh family. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's taken a bit longer than we'd hoped to get everything up and running with that, but yes, uh, the sausage factory will be uh yeah, of, uh, officially coming to you all via Kane and Rince. Uh, the Kane and Rince network, we can call it now. I know we've uh, <laughs> hoovered up another show uh, and we'll have to obviously have a uh, a sit down powwow with uh, Retro's Asylum about uh, about exclusive rights uh, to Chris O'Regan and whether we whether we can get our branding onto that stream somehow. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um he's completely independent. Uh uh, yeah, so thanks for joining me, Paul. Uh, and thank you to all of our community contributors for your requests. Keep them coming. And so it uh, this brings us to the final 
pick from this show. So uh, you've requested it from Bayonetta, but I think this, the exact same piece of music also appears in Afterburner Climax. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's any difference at all in the mixes, but um, but this plays on one of the later stages where uh, Platinum Games kind of uh, play a little play a little tribute to Sega things history you know historic matters and um it's actually is is it i forget now it's been a while since i played this stage but it's um you're just yeah you're kind of zooming into the screen and things are flying around you you're standing on a missile i'm thinking it's a motorcycle oh is that the ah it's the motorcycle she starts with her middle finger that's the one yeah, okay, yeah. Anyway, so Afterburner, uh, why have you picked this tune and why have you picked this mix? Well, this was me trying to kind of shoehorn two games into one pick. I'll be, oh, I'll be, to- I'll be totally honest. So it was, it was a good opportunity for Perfectly me. Fine. But Bayonetta as a game, was, I think it's, it definitely surprised me. I remember playing the demo when it came out and and uh, not really being sure what to expect and then um, absolutely loving loving the game. Um, leaving mm. some of its kind of slightly dubious theming to one side, it's um, it's it, I, I think it's 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 um, platinum at their yeah. best. It, it's just it's fantastic. I'm, and I'm in agreement. The, the sequel I bought it so many yeah, times. Now. The sequel was awesome, and I'm, I've actually just started replaying it on my um, Xbox because of the backwards compatibility. So yes. I'm back in again. Uh, can't mm. can't get enough. But but yeah, it's um, pure platinum, and it's everything. a great surprise when you. And this is this is why. I never think that, that Sega quite know what they've got when it comes to their their back catalogue, um, and right. we're in an era where where music is as popular as the, the the games. You know, you can get so much vinyl out there as soon as as soon as people like Data Disc release uh, classic music, people people buy them and they're, they're gone they're gone within yeah. minutes. But yeah, Bayonetta, yes. Bayonetta, a wonderful game, and Afterburner Climax Mix, which is a um, for me, it connects to what when Sega used to have their own house band, the SST Sega Sound Team, and right. just brilliant versions of their original arcade uh, themes. And and uh, you know, I always called you Ratso then, Liam. So That's so, old school. so is That's how right. I was going to say. That. I go back to your early days of <laughs> Sega Blue, your love of Sega Blue Sky games, and, and yeah, yeah, I'm still that on uh, yeah. on social media. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Um, you're you 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 know you're 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 uh, Leon of the parish these days, but for me and and our, and your love of, of games like Outrun and Afterburner, Space Harrier. Oh yeah, I mean even into like Skies of Arcadia as well. There, there was just that that mm. feel and that look that, that that Sega could do when they were when they were really in their stride. That just created wonderful games and wonderful sounds, and um, the SST band just looked like they were living for pleasure alone when they went out and played live and they just played the music from from all of their games and and i was just so surprised playing bayonetta and then suddenly to just come across the afterburner music <laughs> and again it was one of those times where you just laugh and say uh you know well done like someone someone like bravo to whoever was sat there saying that we should put this in at this point um so it's a combination of a great game and and uh taking some of the some of the best music that, that sega have ever made so um, yeah, it came together and uh, allowed me to talk about uh, two things in one in one pick. 
I was a bit cheeky. cheeky. I like it. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, uh, I was playing Afterburner Climax recently. I don't think it's available anymore. I think it. Um, I think it's one of those that's got pulled from digital storefronts, possibly due to Lockheed licenses or something. Yeah, um, which is a real shame because it's such good fun and it still looks tre- really tremendous on on the Xbox 360. Uh, pro- probably the PS3 as well. Yeah, I got well actually. Yeah, it had it had been deleted and then mm. probably about I don't know about a year ago. I got wind that someone had found a load of codes for it, and then they uh-huh. suddenly went back on sale again through a. Through, and, and I remember getting a message from. Always worth looking at. Yeah, yeah, I think I got a message from Paul Monaghan from the Maximum Power Up podcast, and um, so I bought it well after I thought I could never, um, I could never get it again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my PS3 has it on there, and it sits proudly on the uh, good stuff. On the T bar. Yeah, I hadn't really considered that avenue before. I was thinking the other day because I was playing. I've I've got now got all. This is such a a, a sidebar, but I've got all four <laughs> Forza Horizon games on installed on my my Xbox One X, and I was playing the original, and it keeps saying buy the rally add-on, buy the rally add-on, and then when you try to buy the rally add-on, it says you can't buy the rally add-on. Um, again, I assume it's expired car licenses and things like that. So I just did a bit of googling, and you can buy a download code for it on Amazon and right, get yeah. it that way uh, and that still works so yeah you need to do a bit of jiggery pokery but um yeah worth bearing in mind for those who are you know um found uh stung by the the impermanence of digital marketplaces anyway yeah, let's not go there that's enough consumer <laughs> advice thank you for joining me again paul it was finally we podcasted together it was an absolute pleasure and, and um the the when people talk about receiving the cane and rinse uh, calendar request I can I can assure you it's a it's a wonderful thing and it's it's been it's been a it's been a real pleasure to come on and and um, talk about my uh, my favorite my favorite music from some of my favorite games. Excellent. Well, uh, we'll leave you listeners with infinite climax mix of Afterburner from Hiroshi Kawaguchi from Bayonetta and Afterburner Climax, and we'll see you next time. 